Welcome to All About the Benefits. This show is dedicated to helping you better understand the world of benefits so that you can better serve those that serve you. And now, here's your host, Lori Jewett. All right, you guys, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in again. I am super excited today. Um, I've got somebody here with me that kind of we have a similar background, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have, be able to have a great conversation. Um, and even though we just discussed it, I'm still nervous that I'm gonna mess up your name. But I'm here with Mark Bielik. Not I'm trying to yes. pronounce it. Yeah, well, I try to get in my head right, like make it like French or something. I don't know, but. Um, so anyway, I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking the time out to hop on. I'm going to let you kind of give a little bit more of your intro, but thank you for being here and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, you got the name perfect. So um, yeah, Mark Bielik, live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, gosh, there's so many places, ways this could go. So I'll, I'll tell a couple stories here that are embedded in kind of the, the purpose and mission of what I do. And so um you know, the first story I remember is uh, that I want to share with you is probably like 1985. You know, I'm a young kid and the first Nintendo gaming system, the original NES came out. It was $99 plus tax. So I think in Nebraska, it was like 105 bucks. And so I went to my parents and I said, hey, I really, really would like one of these. And they said, hey, we really, really don't have an extra $105 for that. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize this growing up, but in, in hindsight, we were pretty poor. You know, we always had love and everything that we needed, but we shopped at secondhand uh, clothing stores. We, uh, you know, mom cooked all the dinners and she was an awesome cook, but that's, and she made some of the best pizza, spaghetti and goulash, but that's because they were easy meals and, and made great leftovers. Right. And so I remember just being thinking to myself and I knew, I knew a hundred dollars was a good chunk of money, but I knew it wasn't like unfathomable. It wasn't like a billion back in the eighties. So I thought to myself, I never want to be in a situation where I don't have a hundred dollars uh, for something that I need or want. You know, and uh, that kind of just really stuck with me. Now, the the happy ending of that story is uh, we eventually did get a Nintendo several years later. However, it forced me to build relationships and make friends with other people that had Nintendo so I could get invited to go to their house and play. Yeah. Uh, so it gave me some great social skills. And then, you know, my mother and father were kind of hippies. They both dropped out of uh, high school. And they so they really valued education. My father was very educated, but it was self-educated. And so in his mind, the ideal thing to do, and Robert Kiyosaki talks about this, is go to college, get a safe, secure job, get some great benefits. And what he thought would be awesome for me, and it probably would have been, would be an electrical engineer and design all these cool computer gadgets I love to toy with and I'm halfway good at. That unfortunately got derailed, though, uh, my senior year. Uh, he, was he was only 41 years old and diagnosed with lung cancer. And so all of the family's focus went to dealing with that. And so, you know, I'm a senior in high school, not really, parents aren't really watching my, so I just kind of did whatever I wanted and didn't take an ACT, SAT, didn't go to college right away. And unfortunately, right after I graduated, he passed away after about an eight month battle with cancer. So he was only 42, you know, I was 18. My mother was probably 38 back then. And my sister was 14. So uh, to say uh, my family imploded after that was kind of an understatement. So uh, coming out of that, there's some pretty dark days for all of us involved, but coming out of that, I decided I wanted to help people that were going through similar things. So I thought at the time oncology, being a cancer doctor would be the way to go. So I got a job at a clinical research facility here in Lincoln that does phase one clinical trials. Uh, so primarily safety, tolerability, bioavailability, things like that. Uh, it's where I met my wife. Um, you know, we have three awesome children and, uh, I kind of worked my way up from a part-time sample collector, which you, you know, collecting various fluids that come out of a, a person's body all the way up to one of the top three people that actually ran the study. And, uh, but now I'm in my mid twenties, probably about 25. And I'm looking at 15 years of, you know, undergrad medical school, residency specialization. And I'm like, I don't know. And I got to know some oncologists here in town and they do a lot of good. However, it also comes at uh, quite a substantial cost mm -hmm. uh, to themselves, their health, mentally, um, all sorts of crazy stuff. So it kind of became less and less appealing. And so uh, I had a friend of mine was in the supplemental insurance space, and he showed me this plan that uh, helps with all the stuff that uh, health insurance doesn't cover. You know, my father was a union president, blue collar guy at a place called Cushman here in town. And so we had great insurance. However, you know, he had long term disability, not short term disability. So it was 90 days, no paycheck. You know, he spent most of the money he made. So I remember they filed bankruptcy to protect the house and they gave his truck back to the bank. So it was Lee. So I drove him to treatments every single day for like 
two months for a little eight minute zapper radiation. So I just lived through what those plans are designed to cover. And uh, the, the particular plan my friend showed me also had this little feature that if you didn't use it after so many years, you get 100% of your money back. And so I was cool. under 30 years old. Yeah, it was incredible. I was $50 a month for the best plan for a young guy. I'm like, yep, sign me up for that. And then he, he planted this seed. He said, hey, you'd probably be pretty good at this. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm going to be a cancer doctor. It's all good. And then, you know, that, that stopped. And I was actually working in the mortgage business. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to run this mortgage company. And he happened to call me one Friday afternoon to go get a beer. And I'm like, hey, man, the mortgage markets are pretty crazy. Like, forget that beer. Are you guys still hiring? <laughs> and, and that was in about March of 2008. And so I've spent about the, the past 15 years in the supplemental insurance space that uh, still helping families dealing with similar things that we went through. And what I love actually is it's not just cancer. It's heart attacks, it's strokes, it's babies, mortality, it's, high, it's, it's all sorts of variety of severe health things and critical illnesses, what some people call it. So I've kind of expanded the, the service of, of my clients, not for not just cancer, to a bunch of things. And it's been... It's been a crazy ride. I've had people, I just shared this on our, our Monday huddle today that uh, someone from my second week in this business, when I wasn't very good, uh, ended up getting a plan for me. And we paid them over probably $45,000. Um, moved five hours away to Omaha, Nebraska to get specialized treatment at the medical center where they had an H. pylori infection and spent some time in, in ICU. And hopefully if they would have stayed local, um, they would have survived, but you know, you don't know. I'm kind of an odds guy. If you tell me I've got better odds somewhere else, I'm probably going to go there. I've had someone for my fifth week in the business use that we paid probably thirty five thousand dollars to, and countless, countless, countless clients over the past almost fifteen years. So that's kind of a little backstory of of what drives me, what motivates me, and and why I'm so focused and passionate about what I do today. Yeah, you you lived what you're helping other people avoid, which is, I mean, that's amazing, and. I don't know that there's any better feeling than knowing that because I have people from the beginning of my career that, you know, will get claims and stuff. And I'm like, man, it, it's just a great feeling to think that we were able to help them, you know, through that. And I I recently in the last so in the last um, let's call it. Eight ish months, I've had two clients that passed away of cancer and even after they've passed away, one of them, we're still working on claims because, um, well, it's a whole long story and like the red tape, but essentially the checks were cut before he passed away and the bank won't accept mm -hmm. them. So we're still dealing with that. But after these people, you know, either pass away or recover or whatever, they still have that money coming in because in one of their particular clients cases, they, have, they don't have the, his income anymore. And his income was the bulk of what paid the bills. And so not only was he out of work a long time for treatments and things, but, um, you know, now she doesn't have his income anymore. She still has a house and electric and all of that. So it's rewarding to know that in a brief conversation, we can literally make such a huge impact on, yeah. on a family. Um, you know, I just posted on Facebook this last week. I had a client, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, that uh, when I looked up, she enrolled in about October of 08. You know, and I started in April of 08. So, you know, what is that? Like six months into my career. And uh, she was a referral from another client of mine. So one of my clients said, hey, you should probably show this to my mom. You know, I did. She ended up enrolling. Everything's good. We're actually getting, we, you know, a few more years, I would have brought her a check for money back. And she calls me and she goes, hey, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer what do I do now? And, you know, we had a conversation and she didn't know what stage it was. You know, um, she did say the pathology report, and she's a nurse, so she's a little bit more educated than the general public. She said the uh, pathology report said that it was something about aggressive and a high likelihood of, of invading the lymph nodes, which would indicate a metastasis. But, uh, you know, she, and she didn't even have a treatment plan. She literally just got the pathology report back. So she has no idea what was going to happen. And I'm like, well, here's how we pay, you know, initially when you start going through it, then based on what you go through, so the more you go through, the more you pay. And at the end of the day, she goes, man, I just feel good knowing that, that this is here. I told her about our second opinion. If she wanted to get one, I told her about our travel. If you want to go get specialized care. And it was just cool to, you could literally hear the relief on the phone. It doesn't change the diagnosis, but when you can help someone focus on the fight and not really the finances, that's, that's an incredible service. Yeah, I had, so, and this has been years ago, this is when we were still in Georgia, but I had somebody call the office phone and I happened to be the one that answered and she needed to cancel her husband's life insurance or cash it out because he um, had cancer and they needed the money essentially. And of course I pulled it up and I'm like, you know, have you filed a, a 
claim on your cancer policy. And her reaction was kind of funny. She's like, don't you think I would have done that if I had a cancer policy? And so I verified all the information. I'm like, all right, is this the, birth? Is this the address? These people have been paying on a cancer policy for like 20 years ish. I mean, it's been a while. I don't remember the exact dates, but so not only did they not have to cash in his life insurance, which unfortunately he wound up needing, um, they were able to get, you know, I, I, I think one check in particular, one of them was like 40 grand ish. And that wasn't the whole thing. That was just from one part of the claim that we filed. And it took a lot of pressure off them to, you know, and it's rewarding to know. And I, I didn't write that policy because it was before I had, you know, gotten into the business. I don't even think I was legally old enough to get my license yet. But um, to know that she didn't have to cash in that life insurance that she eventually needed, because had she, how would she be, you know, how would she have paid for his funeral and everything? So yeah, it is a, a rewarding career. And I, you and I, we've been told recently that we're like the same person, just different gender. Um, uh-huh. I think a lot of that is with the service base, not only selling, but leadership as well. Yes. And yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And so, you know, you, I know that I, I read your posts and you're very active and talk about, you know, your sales and leadership style. So can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? I don't know what you call it, but I, for us, it was always serve, not sell. Um, mm. But I would love for you to elaborate a little bit because you post a lot about it. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always where do you begin? So, I mean, I heard a long, long, long time ago that it is hard to be nervous when your mind is on service. You know, and so that has always stuck with me. And so when you put the needs of other people ahead of your own, and it doesn't mean you're a martyr and you don't take care of yourself. It's just, hey, this, I always tell all of our new agents, and I, I, I live by this, I'm like, if this, I don't care how bad you want something, like if, if this is going to take food off your table, you should not get it right now. Um, you know, because that's the priority. Um, and we we mind our budget at our house too. And so... Um, I always, I always live by that. And when I was selling and then, and then in the leadership role, but it's kind of funny, you know, I was halfway okay at selling. I think a lot of it is one, I had to be, uh, you know, so failure really wasn't an option uh, when I started, but the other part is just being personally connected with the, the service we provide for our clients. And so, uh, I was horrible at first. I was just, uh, in a couple of calls earlier today that we were, we were kind of elaborating on what the start of my career looked like. And my numbers were not that great. I had to work really, really, really hard to get minimal efforts or minimal results back then. But I always tried to one, be teachable, trainable, coachable. So, you know, my leadership said, Hey, be smart enough to be dumb enough to do exactly what you're taught. Uh, and so I did that. Uh, and two, I, I just worked really, really hard to get good. They told me what I lacked in skill I had to make up for with some hard work on the front end. it wouldn't always be that way. Uh, but, but it'd be, and then through that, I would always imagine, Hey, if this, what if this person in front of me, is going to, in six months from now, I was going to deal with what my family went through. That was always what I imagined in my head. So then I tried to, that, that helped me be empathetic. It helped me to enter their world and communicate on their level and really just do my best job of, of show. Like, I don't think we sell anything really. Um, we might sell the idea of sitting down with us and looking at what we do, but that's about it. After that, it's all education based. It's taking our clients on a journey of self-discovery and helping them become aware of needs that have already been there, but they just might not be aware of yet. Uh, showing them how our plans will fill those needs and then letting go and letting God and let them decide if it makes sense, if it fits their budget and they want it. And so, um, that's always been my philosophy. And I was halfway good at that after, you know, I was a top first year producer, a fast start award winner. So, uh, of course, they're like, hey, Mark, we want you to start training people. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can handle that. So I'm like, hey, watch me and do what I do. Um, and and yeah, there's a little bit of training that happens there, but it's not that simple. <laughs> um, it's not that simple at all. So I was not good at training either at first. And I had to struggle through that. And then I kind of got good at that. So then they said, well, hey, Mark, maybe you should build an organization if you really want to serve other people. And you know, you're limited to the amount of people that you can serve, even if you uh, had a hundred percent close rate with everyone you visited, you're still limited. And by having an organization, you can then expand the the help that your clients get, but also you can help uh, agents have a career like you've had and a lifestyle like you've had. And I'm like, yep, yeah, that sounds right up my alley. Sign up for that. So I wasn't really good at attracting people either and, and interviewing and all that other stuff. So every step of the way I've had to learn and what it's all come down to is just service, being of service of other people, putting their needs ahead of your own, being empathetic, knowing that you have a good deal 
believing wholeheartedly in your product that you deliver 10 times the value in owning your policies and you ask for in premium, you know, especially when they need it. But also in our case, we're blessed that if they don't, they get their money back. Same thing from a career side. Like, hey, our career is, is, is I'll put it up against anything. If you're willing to work hard, be teachable, trainable, coachable, you know, I tell people this is some of the best paying full-time hard work that you'll ever find. However, it's also some of the worst paying part-time easy work that you'll ever find too. And unfortunately, yeah. it's totally up to them what it is. But uh, especially when I really connected in, and you know, service is one of our three core values, right? Service, growth, and excellence. In fact, service is the first core value. And these are very simple um, Bible-based principles. You know, Jesus said, whoever wants to be the greatest amongst you, figure out how to serve the many. You know, Zig Ziglar put that another way. He said, you can have everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And so uh, we've already talked about that on the client side, but we, especially in leadership, like I don't think people work for me. I actually work for them. You know, and it's funny, we were talking about this, about our hard outs. You're like, well, what's your next thing? I'm like, I don't know. I just do what Kim and my calendar tell me to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm supposedly the big boss, but Kim, our hiring manager and my calendar are actually the ones that tell me what to do. And uh, so in me working for other people, my job as a leader is to coach, to train, to uh, provide tools, to remove obstacles, to support, to help people with their lives as well as their business. Jim Rohn talks about that, but then also to get out of the way and just let them do their great work. And what's so funny is uh, I was such a control freak when I first started. And it's like, you got to do it this, this, and you know, now it's just like, I, I give them parameters. You know, obviously it's nothing illegal, uh, unethical or immoral, but yeah. if you stay within that box, go do whatever you want, you know? And, and I, I like getting out of the way and I love it. Like one of my guys that I've mentored for the past 10 years, he has protected more families than me. He has bigger records. He's had more record weeks. And it's kind of like a, a proud parent that, you know, wants their child to do better than they did and also kind of avoid some of the obstacles and potholes they stepped in. And it's a, it's a really awesome feeling uh, to have that yeah. and to kind of be a part of someone's testimony. Yeah. And absolutely. And I love that too. And that's something that, um, yeah, looking back on the people on, you know, I just, I finally turned my book into my editor. Seemed like it was like 20 years in the making, but <laughs> Um, you know, one of the, the way that I, it was either the last or second to last chapter was about that of the people that I impacted. And even though I'm not in that position anymore, I'm still with the company, I'm an agent, I'm still taking care of my clients and loving it. But, um, the impact that I made on those people, the people that not, not just the ones who stayed, cause it's not for everybody. Like you say, it is the, you know, hardest part-time, however you said that, I love the way you worded that, but I don't know if I can make that up again. Um, so we better record. Hopefully this is recorded. It is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're, you're very much like my husband, Dean, because he used to like in his meeting to say, oh, that was really good. Somebody write that down. <laughs> never remember it again. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's true. And not everybody made it. You know, we have one particular example that I use. Um, and this kid, when he came to us, he had the worst social anxiety to the point that we're like, are you sure that you want to do this? Cause you kind of like you get forced to be outgoing. And I mean, this guy, he couldn't build rapport at all. And I don't know if I've ever, ever heard that told the story on here, but it is hilarious. So we had a director and myself and this Chris, it's very gen not generic name, but commonly used. So, um, but anyway, we are going around in this tiny little town prospecting, walking in businesses, and we're trying to like prompt him for rapport, right? Because rapport comes easy to me. I, You're outgoing. It probably comes easy to you. Him, it didn't come at all. And so we're walking in and I'm like, you know, the director is with this. She was like, oh, Chris, you know, there's a no skateboarding sign on a dentist's office. That's weird, right? You should probably ask about, you know, why do you need that sign? And then we walk in and there's these probably over a hundred different cows. I mean, like, ceramic cows, plastic cows, all of the, some are black and white, some are colored, all of the things. And I'm like, oh, we should ask about that. So we're sitting there at the, at the counter and the receptionist comes up and she's like, Hey, how can I help you guys? And I'm like, Oh man, we got all the rapport in the world. He literally looks at the lady, leans over on the counter and goes, so I was just wondering how you know, Aaron. And she's like, you mean my boss? <laughs> try and save that one. Right. So I was like, Oh, I think what he's saying is, you know, in this area, there's a lot of family-owned businesses. I don't even remember how I recovered it, but it wound up being a, we just walked out. <laughs> Have a great day. Okay, bye. Um, but anyway, the reason that I tell that story is because this kid, a couple months after he left, because he, it just, it wasn't for him, but 
a couple months after he left around Christmas, we got a group message from him, Dean, the um, another one of the trainers and our director and I. And it was essentially, hey, I want to thank you guys. He got off his anxiety medication. He had gone to the, to a, a Christmas party that he normally did not go to because he was so scared to talk to people. Had a girlfriend, was like playing guitar in a band, all of these things. And it was because that we gave him the the tools to do that. So for me, that success and is not always, and that was hard for me in the beginning because I'm like, oh, these people didn't last. And now they're going and using what I taught them to do whatever else. But now I'm like, that's kind of my legacy. And I love that. The amount of people that afterwards, even if they don't la- you know, don't stay for a long time or their whole career, that will reach out and be like, hey, you guys putting that time and energy and teaching me how to serve, not sell, or, or whatever it is, really just impacted my life. So I, I think that's a huge deal. Um, that in our organizations, I think we're kind of trained on that a lot. And it's drilled into our heads that we want to help people succeed. Absolutely. And you know, that, you know, I was told, uh, I heard another person that we know refer to this. I've heard this a long time ago that people are here for a reason, a season or lifetime. And and we all hope it's for the lifetime. Cause you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think I'm at a lifetime. I, you probably thought you're a lifetime and then all of a sudden God had different plans and scrambles those eggs a little bit and that's okay. Uh, but some of the people that were just here for a little reason, this was the bridge to take them out of a stuck situation and get them in a much better one and to be a part of that bridge and to positively impact them along the way. Some people that I didn't think were listening would several years later say, Hey man, I'm, you know, planning my week outs. I'm working my plan. I get way more done. Um, you were often like, I, I thought they weren't listening to anything and they, they come back and they would have been impacted. It just wasn't, you know, God's plan didn't align with my plan for everybody. Cause everybody should stay for a lifetime because I'm going to right. Um, as far as serving people, you know, one of my favorite things to do in businesses is jokes, tell a funny joke related to the business, you know? So I have dentist jokes, I have plumber jokes, I have teacher jokes. And so, um, you know, the, the, we have a a line in our, that I learned a long time ago too, is called be funny, make money. Like if you make someone laugh, that's a great way to build rapport, right? It's hard to be mad at someone when you're looking at them and they're making you laugh. So just those little things. And sometimes, you know, again, you might not get into work with that business. You might not protect any families, which is kind of the ultimate goal. However, if you can just leave people in a better mood than you yes. found them, that's, that is a huge, huge, huge service to everybody. So I, that's, that's kind of what we preach. Yeah. I, I think that's a total one. So I was looking up something. I got a text message not long ago. Well, Christmas um, from a guy that worked with us and moved to, um, he moved to Arizona and whatever. Anyway, so every once in a while, I'll reach out to him or he'll reach out to me. And so thinking of the little seeds that we plant that we don't realize are planted, he messaged me like the day after Christmas on my way to a Christmas party, told a negative Nancy, a Deanism the other day, balance your grievances with gratitude. She thought about it for a second uh-huh. and took her notebook out and asked me to say it again. So something that was just, you know, we teach in our, you know, our weekly Monday or taught in our weekly Monday trainings, he is telling other people those things. So it's like the seed that's planted. You never know. We'll never know who else, you know, she impacts now that she's trying to be more positive or whatever. Um, so it's just kind of cool, at least to me. And that's something that's a very oh. newish realization for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the the butterfly effect of you impacting someone that you didn't really think you did, that they impact someone else and impact someone else. I mean, that could go on and on almost indefinitely. And when you think about it, it's it's hard to wrap our minds around this. But I mean, that's kind of dent the universe type stuff right there. And that's uh, amazing to be a part of that and to have a contribution to that. Yeah. And it, for me, it's always kind of hard not knowing because I'm like, I want to know. And that's been the right. realization for me is it's OK not to know because every once in a while you'll get a text like that or a phone call or something that will kind of... um and I guess let you know about the butterfly or snowball effect or whatever it is. And for me and a, a coworker that is actually still a manager in that organization, she, every time I talk to her, she's like, you know, it, it's really hard to know, okay, well, I trained this many people or talked to this many businesses or whatever and don't have the results, but you never know. I mean, I, I've had clients that had told me no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, they'll reach out and I'm like, I haven't seen you in like a, two years, but they're like, oh, you know, I, you're right. Everything that you said finally sunk in. And I'm like, you know, 
It would have been cheaper if you want to listen to me four years ago, but okie dokie. You know? <laughs> right. Better late than never. Yeah. Never want to say I told you so, but I think it every once in a while. Um, totally. But so, yeah, the moral of that is sometimes it is hard to not see the end result. But when when I get little messages like that, it makes everything worth it. It makes all of the like late nights and early mornings and everything that I did for years. Just totally worth it. So. um. Let's see. Oh, I just had a thought and I lost it. I don't know. Um, That's okay. Here, while you think of that, I I just thought of something as far as early on in my career. So I, um, coming from the mortgage business in 2008, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money, you know? So I had about a thousand dollars in the bank, which sounds like an okay amount. However, my monthly bills were about $3,000. So $1,500 house payment, 500 in cars, another thousand in food utilities out the door. So we really only had about 10 days of operating capital. And so I went to work and worked my butt off and I only generated $200 in, in advances into my account. And, uh, so not quite nowhere close to it. And so, um, I just, you know, believed in myself, believed in the product. I'd owned it for two years before I started. I was like, all right, that's fine. They said it was a growth business, but something I did again, along the lines of it's hard to be nervous and your mind is on service. This is a little bit corny, but I did it anyway, because I was just, and, and this was a suggestion for my manager is I wrote myself a check for a million dollars and, uh, and I had it in my wallet. So I was always walking around with a million dollars in my wallet. Now, granted, it's not important that would have bounced if I tried to catch that thing. But so it's again, hard to be nervous when on service. And so when you're focused on selling, you get commission breath, you start pushing, you start putting pressure on yourself, which then gets transferred to other people. And even though you try not to do that, they can feel that subconsciously. And so what that did is that freed me up again, stupid little trick to feel is like, Hey, it doesn't matter if you buy or not. Cause I got a million dollars in my pocket. And it really allowed me to focus on them and not myself and do my very best job to serve the clients. Um, so I thought I'd share that too. That was a huge, that was kind of funny, kind of corny, but man, I'll, I'll do anything again, as long as it's honest, ethical and legal, as long as it works too. Right. Um, and so I, I tell other people that, and, and some people, Follow those instructions, others don't, but but it really helped me to avoid that. It, it enabled me to put the pressure on our controllable activities. And so what we talk about in our organization is your hours and then the actual amount of people you talk to. And again, the hours are only there to give you enough space to talk to the amount of people. What, what we really want is if you talk to enough people and interact with enough people, you're going to run across people that see the value in what you do and want to protect themselves. Now, granted, there's some skills you can build to get better at entering people's world and helping them become aware of those things. And we talk about that, but um, it really just focused on controlling the controllables and putting the pressure on that system and keeping the pressure off of yourself and therefore other people. Yeah. I love that the controlling the controllables, because that's something that we always taught, you know, people are like, Oh, well, I need this and that. And no, just you, there's only certain things you can control. And the more people you see, the more practice you get and the better you're going to get. So, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's we're on the same page there. And I love that. Um, you know, when you, Absolutely. when you're looking for, you know, when you're hiring, recruiting, whatever, what I'm curious if we're on the same page on this one, what is the number one most important thing that you're looking for in, you know, a recruit? That's a good question. That's a, uh, that's a tough one. Cause you know, the, the recipe for someone to be successful has many different facets and attributes. Um, Gosh, that's a great question. Probably, you know, I mean, there's all these things. I'm just going to elaborate on them. You know, I think one of the best predictors of future success is past success. So I want to see a track record of success. Um, You know, I want to see an internal sense of self-worth and an internal scorecard. Meaning if I ask someone, what went, you know, why did you leave this company? If they start blaming everybody, if my manager was a jerk, you know, now they're, they're blaming external cir- circumstances that they can't control on, uh, which they're probably going to do the same thing here. Um, so I want someone <laughs> like to, a red to be like flag to wave. <laughs> huge, gigantic, um, you know, and, and I want someone that's empathetic, that is confident in their own abilities and that has a conviction about our products. Those are kind of, that's the Holy Trinity really. So if mm-hmm. you have empathy, you can not sympathy, but empathy, you can put yourself in other people's shoes and kind of feel what they feel. Because here's the thing, um, especially with what we do, um, sales is a transference of emotion, 
right? And you can't give something to someone that you don't already have to go back to that million dollars. Like, yeah, I had that check in my pocket. It was a funny trick. However, I could not give myself a million dollars, but I didn't already possess a million dollars. So I can't give someone confidence in our products if I don't have it here with me and I can't feel what they feel. So you got to be empathy. You got to have confidence in your products and in your own ability, right? Willing to bet on yourself. Uh, and I guess the conviction goes from confidence in the product. So that's really what I look for. Um, sales experience is a plus. Uh, definitely not a requirement. Um, I've had people that have had great track records of success that come here and flop. And I've had people that have no track record of success. And, and I'm like, man, I think you can do this, but it's going to be a tough uphill battle. And they go and light the world on fire. Um, right. So that, that's really what we look for. We really hire for character and fitting our culture mm -hmm. first, and then they'll train the skills necessary, regardless of experience. Yeah. And well, coachability, I wrote down because I'm like, I wonder if we're on the same page. So I wrote mine down so I could show you, but you know, coachability, <laughs> teachability is that was always the number one for me obviously like core values and things yeah. like that, but they, you know, I wanted people that I could, you know, mold and teach how to, how to do those things because you can have, like you said, the most experienced person ever. And when people would come in and they'd worked for, you know, 12 insurance companies in the last three years, that that's a giant red flag. Like bring me a flagpole because, and it's always, like you said, external circumstances. Well, they did this or they didn't do that and this, that, and the other. I would rather you bring me somebody straight out of high school or straight out of college or I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom when I started. So I had zero sales experience. Um, well, mm. I, yeah, we're not going to get into the whole everything in life is a sale. But as far as like paid commission-based sales experience, I had none of that. Um, and I always liked, you know, the coachable people and you brought up core values. So we, we before we joined Apex, like I... Core values, what? Like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> you know, we never did that. And when, yeah, well, when we started following Apex and going to the, you know, the meetups and things like that, we, you know, Dean came back from one of those before I started going to him with him. And he came back from one and, you know, set everybody down. And we all came up with core values together. It was like a group thing. But we lost people that, I mean, within two days after that, and our, our core values were nothing crazy. Growth, wealth, transparency. I mean, I don't, I don't know that how those are bad, but we got a lot of pushback. And I think whenever you go in knowing and hiring for those things, like you mentioned, you're a lot better off than we were when we're like, oh, yeah, we need to be doing that. Oops. Yeah. And then you're, you know, you're going to lose people whenever you do that. And it was just, unfortunately for us, it was a necessary evil. But um, our culture did... Um, improve after that you get the 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 i mean as that text message said the negative nancy's or the you know whatever you want to call them out of the culture and you have the people that truly care about you know the the service and it just the whole organization improves and you attract yeah. better quality people that match your core values that way yeah so it's kind of you take two steps back to take 10 forward it stinks to lose those people that don't align but then when you have alignment and everybody's in the boat rowing the same speed the same direction you attract more of those people uh, it's awesome. And I always talk about this too, you know, is, is we're not trying to be all things to all people. Um, you know, that's the apostle Paul and that's awesome. But we, we need to, if you, if you try to be all things to everybody, you're nothing to nobody uh, because you are just lukewarm, you know, revelation talks about that. The Laodiceans, we're going to spit you out of our mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. Right. So, um, you know, and that's okay if they don't fit our core values, it doesn't make them bad people. It just, you know, I liken it to athletics where, some people are baseball players, some are football, some are basketball players. This just might not be your sport and this might not even be your team. That's okay. Um, I've seen professional athletes, they'll, they'll kick butt in one organization and go to the another. And because of the culture and the leadership, they flounder. So yes, individual talents are, are important, but it's also the, uh, the personality of the organization that they're in that draws out those talents and helps them perform at a high level. I had a question for you. So you said yeah. coachability was what you looked for. So how did you test or interview? Uh, how did you determine if someone was coachable or not? I mean, that way it's a hard thing to measure. It is. I That's mean, why I asked. That's yeah. why I was like, I wonder how you measure it. I wish if there's a blood test for coachability, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, I think, I think kind of one of the ways you can tell is, well, one, people that are in sports. Like if someone's resume mm. had like, I'm like, yes, give me team sports players and military people all day, every day. Because by default, the majority of them, if they were successful in those things, were, you know, had that coachability factor, right? Um, and I think also you can tell if someone has been, 
you know, worked for 12 companies over the last year and it's excuses, excuses, excuses. I mean, and, you know, one of the things that, so I haven't actually even announced this yet, but I'm officially employed with our church now. And my job interview, I didn't know it was a job interview. I got a text from the pastor saying that he needed to talk to my mother-in-law and I, and she's the administrator. And I was like, I don't know what we're going for, but okay. She didn't know what we were going for and walked in. And I didn't find out for a couple of weeks later that one of the main things that like triggered him, like, yes, she's the one is when I walked in, I didn't, I still to this day, don't know if he planted it or if it was just there, but there was like a candy wrapper in the lobby of the church. So when I walked in, I reached out and I picked it up. I still think he planted it for me, but that's an apex thing, right? Like in the bathroom, totally. down the counters and put your shopping cart away. Just be a good human, right? Do what you're supposed to do. Like I just, yes. mind blowing to me. Um, but in between that and he told me that he could just tell that I was coachable and teachable because the things that, you know, I had asked help with or anything like that, he would tell me, you know, go read this verse or go do that. And I did it. And those are the two things that he told me that just like solidified it, that he needed somebody that was coachable and teachable that, you know, and the apparently picking up trash. I was like, I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know it was a test. Right. But apparently it was. And now I, I always leave with like candy wrappers and crap in my pockets because it's just what we do. Oh, for sure. You know, it's funny as I've, I've taught my kids that, and it's so funny the how pure little kids are sometimes, sometimes they can be a little evil too. But, uh, but we'll talk about the pure stuff. So then my daughter, our eight-year-old Ava, like she has taken that to a whole nother level. And so she would, she would pick up trash 12 hours a day if we let her. So sometimes we have to say, Hey, your limit is three pieces of trash. Because if you pick up all this trash, you're denying other people the opportunity to leave the world in a better place. And we need to, we need to leave some for them. So if we all just picked up three pieces of trash a day, the world would be a very clean place, but she's, I mean, we've got to have gloves in the car just in case. Cause some trash is a little bit dirtier than others, but she just, she just loves picking up trash. And, uh, it's so awesome because, you know, and my parents did a great job. They did the best they could. But, uh, again, it's like us to always want to do, you know, our kids to have it better than they have and have more lessons. And so, um, no one was teaching me that stuff when I was eight years old. Let's be real, you know? Um, so it's super cool to be able to do that. And it's cool. The things they pick up on that we don't even realize right? That we're, we're do it. We, you know, and the wiping down the bathroom counter thing. The, the funny part about that is I didn't even realize I was doing it. And this was before I joined Apex. I saw Andy Frazella speak in Vegas. And mm. one of the things he talked about was the, you know, piece of paper towel on the floor. Are you going to pick it up? Or are you going to step over it? Well, it's not yep. my job. Well, it is your job. You know, you are part of that organization, you pick it up. And so I started doing that in our office building. And it, it wasn't just our office. We had, you know, multiple sweets in there. And I don't know, like a year or so later, um, after the meeting, we would always like run to the bathroom because the meetings were an hour and everybody, you know, a bunch of women chugging water the whole time. And one day somebody said, um, brought it to my attention that they now wiped down the bathroom counter. I never told anybody I was doing it. I just did it. And then I guarantee you those people are still doing that and other people are seeing it. So it's really cool. It's not, that doesn't just end with our kids, you know, us leading by example. It goes, you know, further than that. But yeah, I we were at the so we went to the like professional bull bull riders rodeo uh, last weekend, I guess. And when we left, I was so angry with people because, like you said, twelve hours a day. Taya and I would have been there all night if we went around and picked up all of the beer cans and the mm-hmm. popcorn bags and like pick it up and take it to the trash. It's not that hard. <laughs> It's just disrespectful. Yeah, it's not anything extra. It's just take care of your own, take care of your own stuff. Like you yeah. don't have to go above. If you just took care of your own stuff, everything would be fine. And yeah, we were towards like the, I think we were in the third and fourth seats to the end of our row and every single seat had trash. But you know, the seats in front of us and I can't be like a hundred percent on this, but this year I didn't buy our tickets. They were a gift. Last year we were in the VIP. We didn't see that. This year, we were the row behind the VIP. And I'm not saying there was none, but there was not as much because, I, I, I mean, you're talking a probably $300 ticket price difference. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe they've been to some like trainings and stuff that help them get to that income level. But the just the trash that people left, and I was looking around 
And I'm like, ah, it just blows my mind because they have the mentality of, well, somebody, that's somebody else's job. No, just take your own beer can to the recycling or trash or whatever it is. Just frustrating. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. We, you know, we have uh, off and on, we've had uh, people help, help us with our house, you know, come over every, you know, every two weeks and they do kind of the deep cleaning of the tub and the toilets and the stuff. And what's great is that they get it done way faster than we could get it done. And it gives, it gives us time to buy our time back. But I remember early on, you know, Ava, she probably was about maybe five or four or five, maybe, but she's like, Oh, that's okay. Emma, I'll get it. And we're like, no, 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 no. Emma does the deep stuff so that we can maximize our time together, but it's our job to maintain the stuff before that. So I, you know, I think that's just a, if unproperly trained, you know, if left unchecked, everybody thinks it's somebody else's job, but then nobody does it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that goes back to that, like the, the service mentality and wanting to do the right thing. And like you said, I love that she would do it all day if you let her, because that, I mean, that just shows you (laughs) a good job. Um, It's usually when we're in a hurry though. So we're like, no, we got to (laughs) go. Yeah. She's like, oh, but I want to pick up all of this. Um, So we're, I know you have another meeting, so we're running a little bit close to our time, but before that, what, you know, is there anything that you want to elaborate on that we haven't talked about yet that you think would really help people, whether it be business, personal, whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so this is called all about the benefits and it's, you know, we both happen to be in the supplemental benefits arena. I'm not sure. I didn't ask you why you named it that, but I'm sure it kind of is a play on words. It was, yeah. uh, Because of that. But but here's the thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the, the reason it's all about the benefits is because friends with employee benefits was already taken. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny. I thought about that. That was like the first thing I thought of. So great minds think alike. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was going to see if I should make a friends with benefits joke. But uh, I was like, ah, we'll keep it PG on the first podcast. But now now we can be PG 13 professionals, which <laughs> I think is important. Um you know, I take, here, here's some good nuggets. I take what I do very, very, very seriously, especially in this arena, uh, is that it can literally save someone's life. You know, if they go get specialized care, like we talked about, it can save their marriage. I've had several people say, Hey, if I would have had your plans, uh, we probably wouldn't be divorced because you know, our third child was in NICU for two months and we, he survived, thank goodness. But the relationship did not survive the stress. You know, think about it. More than half of marriages end in divorce. And of those, a majority of them are financial in nature, you know, the majority of all bankruptcies are not due to credit card mismanagement, but to to bills and medical bills. So you can literally save lives and save marriages. Again, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. That's dental universe type stuff. Um, but I try, so I take what I do very seriously, but I try not to take myself too seriously. Right. And I think that's a big thing. And that was tough for me to learn uh, early on. I was the serious all the time, go getter, you know, work first, you know, play later. And, and part of that was instilled in me, my father, but I, I, I've just lightened up quite a bit and I just don't take myself very seriously. In fact, uh, you know, cause, cause all work and no play makes Johnny, Marky or Lori, a dull boy or girl. And so yeah. you've got to figure out how do you have fun while you're doing this process? Um, whatever that process might be. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, talking about benefits, you know, I don't know what the, the Webster's definition of benefit is, but you know, it would be, you know, uh, I don't even know what I wrote down in the, the interview, the, the box that we checked, but you know, there's going to be, you know, for uh, if we had a benefit with this relationship, that means that that there's positive outcomes to you and I being in a relationship together, whether it's, you know, you know romantic with Dean or a friendship or a business yeah. partnership, there's, there's a win-win scenario. And I think this is important is I always, um, I always try to look for win-win-win scenarios. In fact, I read a book a while back uh, from Randy Pouch called The Last Lecture. It's a phenomenal book. Um, He's from Carnegie Mellon University, one of the, and he was a, I guess he was a virtual reality professor. I think it came out in like 2007, 2008, but they had a tradition there that when professors retire, they give their last lecture, so to speak. And so they pretend like it's their last lecture before they die. And this is the wisdom they want to impart to the world. The crazy thing about Randy Pausch is that he was diagnosed with, um, gosh, pancreatic cancer. And this, lit- he was dying. And this literally was his last lecture. And so, um, I, I cried like a baby, even though I don't like to admit that, um, when I listened to and read that book. So it's definitely emotional, but it was just some great wisdom. And, and he quoted captain Kirk who said, you know, I don't believe in the no win scenario. You know, that was, uh, what, what's it? Will Shatner who played captain Kirk. And that was one of Randy Pouch's uh, heroes. And so the reason I tell you that is most of the world 
is set up to be a, a win lose, a zero sum game, a, a win lose scenario. Like if I'm going to sell you my car, if if I'm going to win and get more money, you have to lose and pay more money. Or if you're going to win and pay less money, I have to lose and accept less money. And you know the stock market's the same way, poker games, all these things. So we're trained from a very young age that all of life is win lose, and um, it doesn't have to be that way. So if you can find win 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 scenarios and um, you know, to, in what we do is our clients win by having our policies. They win if they don't, they get their money back. Our agents win by being able to live the life of their dreams, achieve their goals and live by their priorities and values, really build their business around their life instead of having to run their life around the business. So, um, if you want to talk about being of service to others, look for a way and it takes effort and it takes intention and it takes volition and it takes going against the training that we've had since we were, you know, three years old, but look for win, win, win scenarios. Um, I love I love finding those and and I try to operate uh, if I could operate with all win 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 scenarios that would make my day. I love that. That's a great nugget. And I wrote down the name of that book too, so I can my like yeah, if I read a book a day for the rest of my life, I couldn't read all the books that I am dying to read. Yeah, well, there's a stack behind me. I I, I think I read about a book every two weeks, but I order about six every week. So um, and I always have the tissues handy just in case it's a tearjerker. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Every time somebody recommends a book, I'm like, oh, I have to get it. And then I'm like, well, I don't know when I'm going to yep. read it, but they have an audio book. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah, I need, I need the audio books too. Because I, you know, I don't as much, but I used to spend, oh my goodness, the majority of my time was driving. And so I loved the, you know, the audio books that people recommended and um, in all the different varieties. And I, I like learning about different, ways of thinking, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to enter people's world and communicate on their level, that's, that's huge. And, uh, you've got to be able to, and again, it doesn't make you an expert, but, um, you know, this is one of my favorite things It's just like, Hey, I'm not an expert in this situation, but the, the last person I met that was a farmer, they told me this, have you found that to be true? And then it just shows that you care enough to remember and to ask, and you're not trying to be this fake disingenuous person that knows everything about farming. Cause I don't, I just, you know, have a couple nuggets that people told me, I, you know, I'm a city boy by Midwestern standards. I didn't grow up on a farm, but the fact that I would try to enter their world and communicate on their level would tear down those walls of suspicion. Cause let's be real. Everybody has them. Everybody's been screwed over by somebody mm-hmm. in their life. So then they're once bitten and twice shy. So one of the biggest things you mentioned rapport earlier that that tears down those walls of suspicion, builds a relationship so that people then hopefully have an open mind and take a look at whatever it is that, that you're going to present to them. Again, it's not tricking them to buy things they don't want or don't need. It's not getting them in a headlock and making them sign the line that's dotted in closing deals. It's just, let's have a conversation, see if this makes sense, fits your budget, and, and you want it. If you do, I'll show you how to get it. If not, no big deal. Yeah. You at least made a good decision based on good information, and we can part ways as friends. Yeah, and I, I love that. So I think we've dropped a ton of nuggets. Um, I know that you you gave me your like contact and stuff. What platform or where is the best way to, for people to find you? That's a good question. You know, um, it's so funny before apex, uh, I joined apex in may and I've had a couple of friends that have been in it for quite some time and I've watched their career develop, uh, as well. And they're growing their businesses. So, um, sometimes I'm stubborn, I'm a slow learner, but I used to hate social media for the, you know, attention monetizing evilness that it is. However, just like anything, it's like a scalpel, right? A scalpel can be used to slit someone's throat and kill them, or it can be used to perform life-saving surgery. It's the person yielding it that has the morals, not the actual tool. So since shifting my mindset and just posting on a semi-regular basis, like I've gotten feedback, I've gotten comments, I've got my, some of my wife's friends tell me like, man, we look forward to reading these posts. I've got clients out of the deal. I've got speaking engagements out of the deal. I have two speaking engagements. I wasn't even trying That's to awesome. get speaking engagements. But I have two, one's this Thursday and one's uh, on Monday night, the 20th, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, so I'd say Facebook's primarily the the big one. You know, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm doing a little bit of Instagram and just a, a smidge on TikTok trying to, but so I'm trying to get good at one uh, and then add others versus kind of being a jack of all trades and a master of none. So probably DMs on Facebook are probably the way to go. That's where I post every single day, no matter what. And you're very consistent with that as well. And people, it, it goes noticed. I was very consistent for a while and then kind of like slacked off a little bit. And now I'm getting back to consistency. I literally got a phone call this morning about it. Um, <laughs> hey, I can tell the difference in your posts. Your posts are intentional right now. What's going on? And I'm like, honestly, I've gotten rid of all the distractions or some of most of the distractions. And I'm 
able to listen to what God's telling me and God's telling me post about distraction. Like my word of the week, I don't know why, but distraction keeps popping up. So I'm like, okay, there's somebody out there that needs to hear this. So yes. Well, and here's the other thing I've learned is they're not necessarily the ones that are liking and commenting on your posts either. So the impact you have goes far beyond just the likes and comments. I've had people that will tell me things and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I never see, I'm just thinking to myself, I ne- yeah, I've never seen you interact on my stuff. And it's like, oh, cause there's, t- so you're, here's the thing too, as a leader, um, and we're all leaders in some form or fashion, right? Not this, it's not just a, a position or a title. It's, it's, we're all leaders, but we are always on stage and, you know, I'm a sinful fallen human creature. So every once in a while, there's someone that met me on an off day when I'm, when I'm, t- you know, and, and they think I'm an a-hole, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to do that, but it's just, again, I'm human. So it just reminds me that, that you can undo a whole lot of good with about 10 seconds of negativity. So it's forced me to just be, be slow to react, to think first, to seek, you know, seek first to understand, then be understood. And, uh, and people are watching way more than you think they are. Zach Williams, I actually, we just talked about this and he's like, you know, I think it was Zach. And, you know, well, why aren't you liking it when people call? And he's like, you know, there's a post that gets no traction at all, like three likes, but he gets like three text messages. I think it was Zach that I talked about that. But, and I have those too. And I'm like, and most of it's family. I'm like, click the heart button or the like button or whatever it is. And, but they're like, the fact of the matter is, like you said, a lot of times the people we're impacting, we have no idea because they're not the ones that are liking and commenting. So keep doing what you do. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy and um, protecting people and changing lives. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And we'll have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks next, for having me. Next time we do it, my background, I'll, I got to put my backdrop in here. But at least I can stroke my furry wall. <laughs> we don't, I might, it's, it's a little bit echoey. We just moved in this. Well, I say just moved in November 1st, but I definitely need to put some more sound dampening stuff in here. So who knows? I don't know what it's going to look like when it's all said and done, but uh, um, maybe yeah, we'll, we'll redecorate. Oh yeah. <laughs> do a full size room um, without like taking out a couple of loans and going bankrupt, but a little closet. <laughs> we can totally soundproof it. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in again. I appreciate you and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of All About the Benefits. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Until next time, friends.